Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. For those of you who don't know, my, my name's Malcolm, uh, one of the leaders here. Um, just talking to Davina, um, who's Steph's wife, and she was saying it's really helpful to hear uh, where he's actually gone this morning. She knew it's you know, somewhere, somewhere beginning with C, so uh, Canterbury it is today. And he was at Cambridge yesterday, was he? Yeah. So Steph's out and about doing a lots, of, lots of stuff, so if he's not here, he's probably preaching or teaching somewhere else. So uh, that's one of the things we want to really do release him to that wider ministry as God's called him. So uh, today we have, um, we're going to look at what prevents me from being baptized. So we're going to be looking at uh, Acts chapter 8. Um, I used to lead a church, used to be a pastor of a church in Wimbledon. Uh, it was in the town centre. We had a lovely building there and uh, as part of, because it was an established Baptist church, it had this baptistry built into the the floor uh, at the front of the church, the auditorium there, uh, which was fantastic. And uh, when we had baptisms, we had them pretty regularly, uh, we would have uh, a testimony at the front, so somebody would share their story quite often, and then that person would go down into the pool to be baptized. And on one one occasion, we had a a teenage girl um, who was getting baptized. She shared something of her story. Then she went down into the pool to join the people that were going to baptize her. Um, And what we liked to do was we we liked to encourage people to come forward to the front, to gather around the pool, and uh, just sort of squat at the front, sit on the floor. Um, And people would come forward at that point to be right there, uh, right next to the baptism as it took place. Uh, but because of that, we had uh, people, not everybody could gather around, so we have some people sitting behind. Uh, we didn't have bank seating like this. And so what we did was we had a, a video camera, and then we projected the baptism onto two screens either side, just the way the auditorium was set up. Um, so people sitting behind could still see what was going on on the screens. Um, so this young lady was getting baptized, I think she was about 14, and uh, she was in the pool, and people were gathered around ready for the baptism, um, and one of the people gathered around right next to the pool was her brother, I think he was about 10 or 11, and uh, he, as we got into the prayer for her, um, he he was getting a bit bored as the prayers were going on for his sister, um, and he he realized that if he... If he could just sort of lean forward a little bit, uh, he would be able to see himself on the screens either side. And you know what happened next. So we're all, you know, we're all kind of eyes closed, and suddenly there's this massive splash, and uh, there's a horrified moment as, as uh, everybody thinking, what, what was that? What's happening? Because we'd all got our eyes closed. Realised that he's gone under, in, into the water, under the pool, under the water, uh, and he bobbed up, and, and, every, and then hilarity, totally, you know, total hilarity, as we realised he was okay, he wasn't drowning, uh, he was going to be all right, and he's kind of bedraggled kid, you know, sort of gets hooked out of the baptism pool. The only person that didn't think it was very funny was his sister who was in the pool. I think if she could have killed him at that moment uh, and got away with it, she would have done. But uh, I think she would love to have held him under for a few minutes, you know. But spoiled her big moment. Um, and I think that got captured on film and got shown on TV at some point later on. It didn't. I think it did. Uh, so lots of people saw that happen uh, eventually. But... Um, 
So good old Joseph uh, <laughs> was not his sister's favorite person. We have a baptism on the 29th of May. Uh, nobody's going to fall in on that occasion. Um, um, but we're going to be doing that at the church in Bassett Street in Kentish Town at 6.30 in the evening. Uh, we haven't got a baptism pool here, as you obviously know. Um, but they do in that building. And there are dear friends there, a uh, close relationship with that church. And they've offered us the use of their pool. So we're going to be baptizing people. I think of, uh, so far we've had few people that are saying they'd love to be baptized. Uh, we would love to baptize more people, as many as we can, on that evening and gather as many people uh, just to celebrate together. So today I want to look at the theme of baptism and we're going to start in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39, which says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, And go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran over to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and 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 he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. What prevents me from being baptized? That was the question this Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip. It's a good question. And uh, he was asking it in the sense of, you know, surely there's nothing that can stop me from being baptized. Let Let me go and be baptized. But often people ask that kind of question because they're hesitant about being baptized. I remember a young woman in our church in Wimbledon who was very hesitant about being baptized. She, she said, well, I'm, I'm very self-conscious. I'm quite shy. I don't really want to sort of go up the front and be in front of everybody uh, and get baptized and maybe even tell her story as well, although that's not compulsory. But uh, she was very nervous about that, and she kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And then I remember she went on holiday to America, 
And when she came back, she bounded up to me and she said, when I was away, I got baptized. And I thought, oh, great, you know, so you, you, you didn't get baptized here, but you went on holiday and you got baptized. And apparently she went to this really big church, one of these mega churches, and they were doing baptisms. And she decided that she would go up the front and I think she even shared some of her story and then got baptized in front of hundreds of people, you know. Uh, so it's a bit... It's a bit frustrating as a pastor, you know, when somebody comes and tells you that with great excitement. Um, But at least she got there, she got baptized. But what was preventing her was just that nervousness about being in front of a whole load of people. Let me just say this, uh, it's not not compulsory to tell your story, to do a testimony. Um, I mean, somebody else could read something you've written if you wanted to do it that way, Um, but you don't have to do that at all. Um, I'm sure people didn't always do that when they got baptized, but of course it's encouraging if you can share your story uh, just to do that. But I think she'd held back probably for that reason as much as anything, but finally managed to do that uh, in another continent, uh, in another church. So, hallelujah. So, um, people have different reasons, don't they, for uh, holding back. Um, Now, in the New Testament, it seems that people were baptized really quickly after believing in Jesus. So on the day of Pentecost, we read there in Acts chapter 2 that 3,000 people believed in Jesus, and in response to Peter's gospel message, he, he said, well, they said, well, how should we respond? And he says in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And then in verse 41, we're told that those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number. So that is a lot of baptisms in one go, in one day. Um, so how long Did people wait before they were getting baptized? Well, not long at all. Uh, It kind of depended where you were in the queue. So if you were back at the the, the end of the queue, that took a while to get there, but it was basically on the same day after they'd responded to the message. If you look at Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48, you have the story of Cornelius and his household. And there's this amazing story about the way that Peter has been led by the Spirit and by a vision to go to Cornelius' house, and he shares about Jesus. Uh, This is a total Gentile, non-Jewish household, shares about Jesus. The Spirit of God falls on the gathered people there. Uh, And it says, verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, the non-Jews. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, it was a you know, a kind of moment where Peter's saying, what, what can prevent these people from being baptized, really? The Spirit of God has come upon them. Uh, they've heard the message. They've believed. We need to baptize them. And this is a key moment in the book of Acts because it's a, a non-Jewish household that are getting baptized. It's a real sort of watershed moment. And then in Acts 16, we have the story of the Philippian jailer. Uh, and this time we've got Paul and Silas, they're in prison, There's, uh, they're worshipping, uh, the earthquake happens, the jailer thinks that all the people have escaped, the prisoners have escaped, and he's, he's afraid, he's about to kill himself, uh, and Paul uh, talks to him, calms him down, and he says, the jailer says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
and they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all those who were in their, his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. So we see again and again that people didn't hesitate to get baptized. Again in Acts chapter 19, uh, in Ephesus, the disciples who were disciples of John the Baptist heard the gospel message from Paul. They're baptized in water and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul said, uh, John baptized the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing that, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. It seems as though uh, believing and getting baptized and being filled with the Spirit, all of these things were happening to people all at pretty much the same time. It wasn't, they weren't separated out. Uh, there wasn't a great long period of time between uh, believing and being baptized or believing and being filled with the Spirit. It was, it was kind of like a salvation package of these things happening to people all at the same kind of time. And so there's this whole pattern across Acts about people believing and being baptized uh, not long afterwards. I think what happened in church history was that um, uh, after a couple of hundred years, uh, they, the early church introduced catechisms and uh, they would train people, people would believe, uh, but then they would um, take them through various classes and some of these catechisms lasted up to seven years before people were baptized so they it kind of got separated out in that period of time and then ever since that in church history there have been different ways of of doing baptism sometimes people have held off being baptized until they were dying uh, so they knew they wouldn't sin anymore so they're on their deathbed uh it's a bit risky that one isn't it um so you know, it, it, you know, people got baptized at different times, but really when you look back at the New Testament, it's believe and be baptized, all, to, all happening together. Um, so there's, there's no real reason for us to hesitate to go ahead with baptism in water. So what prevents me from being baptized is the question that the eunuch was asking. And maybe for you, it's, uh, you're not sure about being baptized because you're not a follower of Jesus yet. And that's a very good reason for not being baptized. Um, but you need to believe first and then be baptized. Uh, that's the pattern of it in the, in the New Testament. And when we read the, uh, the passage we just read in Acts chapter 8, uh, you may have noticed that verse 37 was missing from that passage. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, it's not in all manuscripts, uh, but some manuscripts add in all or most of verse 37, which says... And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that's a great summary of what we need to do to become a Christian. We need to believe with all our heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven, come into a real relationship with God. And uh, Philip said, you know, if you believe with your heart, uh, then you can get baptized. And he did believe with his heart. Uh, and I suspect he went back to Ethiopia and shared the gospel and was a great missionary for the gospel uh, in, his, in his own day. But yeah, if you're not a believer yet, if you're not sure that you believe in Jesus, you need to believe in your heart and then you can be baptized following on from that, of course. 
What prevents me from being baptized? Well, maybe you feel it's okay to be a believer and not get baptized because you know that salvation is through faith in Christ alone. Baptism isn't a means of salvation. Occasionally you come across churches or um, groups of sects, uh, certain church uh, groups that say you must be baptized um, uh, by us to be um, a, a believer, to be counted as part of us, our church. Um, but if you read the, the Bible, you see that people believed in Jesus. They weren't necessarily baptized. A good example of that would be the thief on the cross as Jesus is dying. The thief expresses faith in Jesus. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Clearly that man never had a chance to get baptized. Uh, so you believe and, uh, and faith alone is, is enough to save you. Uh, but as I said earlier in the New Testament there, uh, water baptism, being filled with the Spirit, uh, believing in Jesus, all goes together as a, a little package. And so baptism should be part of your salvation experience. One of the most compelling reasons for getting baptized is that Jesus himself modeled baptism. So in Matthew three thirteen to 17, we read, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. I think if anybody's hesitating about baptism, I'd always want to say, well, Jesus has modeled that for us. He was baptized. He didn't need to be baptized. He was without sin. Uh, John knew that. He was trying to pre prevent Jesus from going ahead with being baptized. So if Jesus didn't need to baptize, but he modeled it for us, then surely all of us need to be baptized as he was. What prevents me from being baptized? Maybe you were baptized as a baby and you wonder if you really need to be baptized again. So infant baptism or christening, uh, something that many people go through. They uh, have parents of faith uh, who want to just initiate them into the church. And so young babies, small babies get baptized. Um, it's uh, not really the pattern in the New Testament, though, to be baptized first and then to believe Thinking the the idea in the Anglican Church, and I grew up in an Anglican Church, so this is this is my own experience, is that you're baptised into the the covenant of the people, the the, the faith, um, and then later on you're confirmed, um, and so you kind of mature into your faith at a later stage. So that was the journey I had uh, myself. I was baptised as a baby. Uh, I was confirmed at the age of 13 by Eric, the Bishop of Reading, no less. Um, his name was Eric, and uh, so I'm a real Anglican, you know, so baptized, confirmed, and uh, grew up in an Anglican church, and was there the first 18 years of my life. And then I, uh, the end of that summer, I became a Christian, and I went off to college, to uh, Kingston, um, and went to a different church, and got to know other Christians, and realized that having now believed at the age of 18, really believed, I need, probably needed to be baptized, by, um, ideally by full immersion. 
And so I started to explore that. I had a conversation uh, with the rector of the church in Windsor where I'd grown up, my church I'd gone to, and we had a conversation about it. And he said, I don't really feel you need to be baptized uh, in, by full immersion, baptized again. But I really felt convicted that you know, I, I needed to believe first and then be baptized. And as a baby, I had obviously been baptized before I could believe. And so I got baptized in a church in Wimbledon. Uh, it was a congregational church, charismatic congregational church, not many of those around. Um, and they built a new baptistry, and I think there was about six of us as students all got baptized uh, in that one first baptism that they'd held there. Uh, it was a lovely occasion. So, but I had to go through that journey. I had to work out whether, you know, because my parents had very faithfully uh, taken me to church, and you, you kind of feel, I don't want to disrespect my parents, but at the same time, uh, I feel genuinely, as I look at the Scriptures, this is something I need to do, to believe first and then be baptized. So infant baptisms are done in good heart. They're done by uh, you know, loving parents, want to encourage their children, uh, good motives. Uh, they want the best for the children. The churches want the best for the children. And certainly an infant baptism can be part of somebody's journey towards finding Christ. Uh, and, but I, I feel that you, know, you need to believe first and then be baptized. And it might be appropriate that you in some way acknowledge and thank your parents for nurturing your faith if you do the similar journey to the one that I've done. What prevents me from being baptized? Maybe you feel that God hasn't spoken to you about getting baptized yet. I've come across a few Christians over the years who, you know, when you talk to them about baptism, they say, well, I don't feel that God's spoken to me about getting baptized. Um, now, I, I find that kind of difficult to understand because, you know, it feels like there's an awful lot of commands in the Bible about being baptized. So this feels to me to be a little bit, how can I say this kindly? Um, super spiritual nonsense would be a, a good way of expressing it, maybe. Maybe not that kind. Um, but, you know, if, if Peter's saying, look, repent and be baptized, and Jesus is saying, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's what we're to do. We're to baptize other believers. If you haven't been baptized yourself, how are you going to do that? There's a clear command in Scripture to be baptized. We don't need to wait for God to speak to us, surely. Uh, it's there. He's spoken already. So we just need to read what the Bible says and then decide to do it. So in a way, it's a matter of obedience and to what the Word already says. What prevents me from being baptized? Well, maybe you don't feel ready to get baptized. And again, uh, people hesitate. They, they delay getting baptized because, you know, in some sense, they don't feel ready to get baptized. And I think, again, it comes down to just being obedient to what the Word says. You know, if we're going to call Jesus Lord, we need to actually do the things that he's asking us to do. And baptism's, you know, a fairly fundamental thing. I don't think feelings come into it. You, you know, if Jesus commands us to be baptized, we need to get baptized. Uh, if you take the analogy of a soldier, a soldier in an army and a commanding officer, uh, you know, tells you to do a particular thing on a training in a training exercise, and you say, "Well, I, you know, I don't really feel like that yet. I'm not quite ready for that." You're going to get a very sharp response, aren't you? Um, and so we need to, you know, just. Uh, Take seriously what Jesus has commanded us to do and uh, just not go on feelings, but on uh, just the word of God and obeying the word of God. Uh, 
So when the Ethiopian eunuch asks this question, what prevents me from being baptized? He is expecting Philip to say, there's nothing at all. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, he's not thinking about reasons why he shouldn't get baptized. If Philip had hesitated and said, well, you know, maybe you should wait a little while, I think the Ethiopian would have pushed him hard to say, no, I think I'm ready to be baptized. He had a great attitude. He saw some water and he said, you know, let's get on with it. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's go for it. And, uh, and so Philip is obviously very willing to do that, baptizes him, and then the Spirit takes him off somewhere else to do the next thing that he wants him to do. So we're going to go ahead with a, a baptism at the end of May. Um, we're also going to do a, a baptism preparation class on the 15th of May, Sunday the 15th of May, immediately after the service. So we'll be here in one of the other rooms, uh, classrooms there. Uh, so if you want to know more about baptism, uh, do sign up for that. There is a... I don't know if we've got the slide there from the notices, or, uh, but there is a, a sign-up. You can sign up for the baptism class or talk to me, um, and we can go through some of the teaching about baptism and also some of the practicalities about what actually happens in a baptism if you haven't been to one of those before uh, and you're not quite sure. Uh, but just to remind you that we're uh, doing the baptism not here, but at uh, Church in Bassett Street in Kentish Town, on the 29th of May in the evening. And it would be fantastic to have a, a, real, uh, a really good gathering of people there to support a good number of people being baptised. So let me leave that with you to pray about. If you haven't been baptised already, do see me, do talk to Rich, uh, or sign up online uh, if you want to know more about that. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much that uh, you call us to a clear a specific thing to do as we uh, say we're, we're following you. We can't sort of just uh, be um, secret Christians, uh, sort of hiding it all inside. Uh, Lord, you call us to be baptized. You call us to do something practical, which demonstrates that our old life has ended as we're uh, put under the water, we're buried with Christ and we're raised again to life as we come up out of the water. It's a very powerful uh, moment as we are symbolizing so many things really, uh, being washed of, of our sin and being cleansed and all of those things. Lord, we thank you for that symbol of baptism. Lord, it's not something that we, we're able to do so often uh, because of our circumstances here, but Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would be a people obedient to what you command us to do, uh, that we would be disciples in the truest sense and not sort of half disciples. And we pray, Lord, that you would um, help us to keep pressing on and obeying all the things you call us to do. Uh, as it says in the great command, commandment that you, um, you, we're to teach everything that you've taught us and to obey all that you've taught us to do. And baptism is one of those things. We thank you for it. We thank you for the joy uh, and the excitement that happens whenever somebody is baptized and that, that moment when they go under the water and come up uh, having uh, declared that they're following you. Lord, thank you so much uh, for all that you've done for us and for the way that you, un you unite us uh, with you. And that's so clearly uh, shown through baptism. Thank you, Lord. Amen.